1: And we're still talking about revolution.
4: Hello and welcome to the Do and Time show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And a warning that this episode of Do and Time contains audio images and descriptions of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who have died and of deaths in custody. This is Marissa, and I'll be taking you through until five o'clock this evening. First up on the show, we will hear from Commissioner Sue Ann Hunter, who's a proud Wurundjeri and Ngunrai Ilum Wurrung woman, currently holding the titles of Deputy Chair and Commissioner with the Europe Justice Commission. And she's also a Professor of Global and Engagement at Federation University. And I'll check in with um, Commissioner Suanne Hunter about what land she's from more specifically later. The Europe Justice Commission is the first formal truth telling process into historical and ongoing injustices experiences by first experienced by first peoples in Victoria. Yuruk looked into both past and ongoing injustices experienced by traditional owners and First Peoples in Victoria in all areas of life since colonisation. We will speak with Commissioner Suan shortly about all this and more. Next up on the show, after that, we'll be speaking with David from the Human Rights Law Centre. He's a senior lawyer. And we'll bring you an interview with him about anti-protest laws in South Australia and some of the really, really destructive things that can happen with eroding civil liberties. And then after that, we'll speak with David Glance, who will bring us updates and news about refugees and asylum seekers, and in particular, looking at an event tonight that's happening with children of refugees and some of the problems that have happened there. David Glance is from the Refugee Action Collective. And we're going to be speaking now with Commissioner Suanne Hunter, who will tell us a lot about the Europe Commission. Hello, Suanne, Auntie, welcome to the program. Good afternoon. How are you? Oh, it's only Monday and I feel like it's already Friday. (laughs) Oh, I
5: am hearing you. But thanks for having me back on. Thanks
4: for having me. It's lovely to have you. Um, And I do recall that we had you on in April, I believe. Yes, a while ago now. A while ago. Tell us about the commission. I believe it's been extended for another 12 months. Can you talk to us a bit about what it is, because I'm sure we've got listeners, new listeners that have tuned in that don't know anything about it, particularly Aboriginal people, and Again, tell us what's happening.
5: Okay, so we are the first ever Truth and Justice Commission in Australia, but we are for Victoria. So Yuruk means Truth in Wamba. and so it's actually the very first Indigenous or First Peoples-led Royal Commission and it was established in May 2021 under the inquiries Act for Victoria. So it's a bit contradictory because it is looking at... um, ..it is an Indigenous-led Royal Commission. So, you know, uh, balancing that act is is quite difficult. So we are set up from the recommendations of the First Peoples Assembly of Victoria um, and it's a sort of a foundational step towards treaty. Um... The mandate that we have is started 1788 the current, so it's historical and contemporary injustices faced by the First peoples of Victoria, and it's to put the true history of Victoria on the, on the public record. So we've got about, um, you know, we're looking at historical and ongoing systemic injustices, the causes of them, the ongoing uh, nature of them, um, redress and address, The systemic injustices, and then also bringing along the wider community, as well as um, you know, creating a new public record with our voices in that. So
4: it's pretty big. It is big. And what's been your role as a commissioner? What what's the work that you've been currently doing around exposing these things?
5: Yeah. So there's what's been happening since then. So our very first sort of out, we firstly we started during COVID, which wasn't helpful. So we did a lot of online with mob, uh, mob groups and um, just chatting about who we are and what we're doing. But we have been... Our, our first outing was across the state to uh, elders and getting some real cultural foundation in that and saying, what, what do you want to see done and how do you want to see that? Um, and basically, we've got sort of where, within the sort of terms of reference that we have, two very clear of the harms happening now. So it was criminal justice and child protection. And part of the role as Commissioner is to really uh, assist in investigating those two systems. And not only have we learned, heard from communities, we've heard from organisations, and also we've brought the states to the stand to answer those questions. So it's a, a very big task of listening to um, the truth uh, in many different forms and out on country, in hearings, uh, individuals, groups, lots of that... Um, Lots
4: of things, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 very true, and and in fact, I haven't had a chance to listen to many of the of the hearings, but I have um, heard that there's been a lot of testimony in regards to in the past and and now currently of of the experiences Aboriginal people have had with the police. Can you talk about that?
5: Yeah, so we had hearings in December um, of 2022, and we just finished the hearings. Recently so our first round of hearings was around organizations and that was in the criminal justice as well as um, child protection then the next round of hearings was community voices so we had some community want to tell their stories publicly and then the last lot of hearings which was just coming off the back of was a lot of um, bureaucrats from the departments as well as uh, ministers and commissioners. Um, we, we had heard some open and closed sessions around policing um, and you would have noticed in The Guardian today there was um, the Cruz family testimony which they um, talked about. There, it, it's been really hard, really hard to hear and listen to and, and, and I would say tell from the so we've families. So we have heard from families who have gone through the deaths in custody. We've heard through some families with our around... Um, police brutality and racism, their complaints mechanisms um, uh, that don't work, Um, um, you know, it's really um, difficult. So the brutality, and look, I'll just speak candidly if that's okay. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, about um, an uncle told us about when he was 17 and um, he started to base violence at the hands of the police. Um, and he talked about one time he was in the cells and was bashed six to eight times by police officers standing in a circle. He said, you know, he's quote him, they just punched me from one side to the other. Um, and then he said the first time he felt free in his life was when he travelled overseas because he couldn't be free in his own country because he always had his defences up because of the racism and the violence that he faced. You know, these witnesses and mob, not witnesses, they're our community, they're our people, you know, they're bravery and strength in coming forward and telling their truth. It actually helps make these strong recommendations back to um, the First People's Assembly and the government.
4: Yeah, because you were speaking last interview about the fact that it's not always accountable to the government, there is a First People's Assembly and that there is recommendations for healing and and system reform, is that right? Yeah,
5: that's correct. So, um, you know, out of we had a lot of a lot of ministers coming forward, and we had the chief of police, the Victorian Police Chief Commissioner, um, and they all gave. A poll- I think all of them. We've got seven apologies from ministers and bureaucrats about the harms they'd caused to our people. I think this was the, you know, really, I guess the word profound about acknowledgement of failures, racism in action over the past 170 years. Um, why should it take a Royal Commission to hear that? But it does. Um, and, you know, it was just amazing to be able to question... These, these are all online, by the way, yep. at our website. You can go back and, and watch all the ministers and bureaucrats from, you know, the, the Minister for Child Protection, the Minister for Corrections, um, you know, the Deputy Secretaries for, for Youth Justice. You know, they were all there. But not only that, our people telling their stories is really hard, really hard for them. Um, But again, their bravery and honesty of coming forward helps us ask those questions that need to be asked.
4: Yeah, look, it's really important, and I I think. The, the The block of hearings has just finished, hasn't it because I think there was the last one was on the fifteenth of May, but there's another block of hearings coming up and it, an extension. Can you tell listeners how they can make submissions or go and talk at the hearings and how it works?
5: Yeah so how it works is you don't have to come to a hearing, just a public hearing. Um, you can make submissions online um, or we can get one of our what we call truth receivers to do a supported submission with you. Now, our submissions can be done in any way that suits you. Um, we did just finish the first block of hearing because we've got a report of um, critical issues, and I'm pretty sure it's due at the end of August, and that'll be around the current um, evidence that we've just heard, and it'll be around the harms that are happening now. So rather than waiting for the final report to make the system there's things we can do now to stop. Children being removed to stop death in custody, to stop the over representation in prisons. Um, you know, and there were some pretty broad uh, or pretty big statements made in those hearings. Um, but also, we went, and, and it be remiss of me to so say, we also went into the prisons and spoke to, um, to mob in prisons as well around how it was for them and what's going on.
4: You know, with this show here, um Sue-Anne, what what tends to happen here is that it's always a testimony week in, week out. We have a lot of Mm. interviews with, you know, the families of people that have died in custody, of people that have been affected by the police. And I'm just really glad that there is a commission that can address these things.
5: Well, you know, you know what we've got? We've got basically that the government knew. I mean, they knew that the 2018 bar laws would adversely affect Aboriginal people, which in turn, they knew that it would be a rise in the prison population, which really equates to a rise in deaths in custody. They knew this. Yeah. And these are the evidence that we can get. They have a $1.1 billion Western Plains prison that is now sitting idle after being built. $1.1 billion with the expectations of a rise in the prison population due to harsh avail laws. Yeah, I know. Not it's... Even, it's just ridiculous. Like, yep. the other things are 92% of Aboriginal women in prison and more than 70% of Aboriginal men incarcerated in Carta and Victoria have a mental health issue that's not being
4: addressed. And you're pretty well placed to talk about this. I mean, you're a child and family services practitioner, aren't you, who's focused your career about using culture as a foundation for healing and trauma. Yeah, yeah. So for
5: me, it's um, it's it's how to... You know, you say I'm a commissioner, but I really see a facilitator of voice yep. because we're facilitating the voice of people that we're hearing and what they want. And, you know, the big weight that we carry is we're accountable to our community. And I don't want to leave any stone unturned at this point that we can do to rectify... The wrongs. Um, you know, we've heard. We just keep hearing about the values of the system. It just doesn't work. It's just the colonial system that
4: doesn't work. It really doesn't. And there's so much over-representation, isn't there, of Aboriginal children too in out-of-home care. We've only got about a minute left, but um, Mm -hmm. I would like to have you back again. I mean, I know that the next block of hearings is going to be about the government, isn't it? No,
5: we just had those. Oh, you just had those? What's the the next block? Oh, we haven't got the next block yet, but we go into land justice, but that doesn't mean that child protection and criminal justice are finished. We'll keep right. hearing those. But I do want to say the yep. Victoria Police Chief Commissioner has changed his mind and is now open to an independent oversight model to handle complaints. Um, Good. And if you watch them, you'll also see how they agree there's a lack of accountability for the 34 Aboriginal people who've died in custody. They agree that no one. You've got to watch these hearings because I was just amazed.
4: What's uh, the website to go and listen to those hearings?
5: Yeah, it's www.yuruk.org.au. As I look it up to make sure I've got the right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, yeah, yurukjusticecommission.org.au. So Yuruk is Y O O R R O K, justicecommission.org.au. All our, um, there's evidence on there. Um, you can look up everything. If you want to give, I mean, what I say to people is don't be a bystander. Don't be, let this be something that happens. Get your voice on the record and let's make some really strong recommendations to get these things moving. Daniel Andrews wrote a letter saying they're shameful, about the history is shameful. It is shameful and they agree that it's shameful. So our hope is because they know it is that we can make change.
4: Very shameful. Tell us yeah. what land you're from before you go. Can you just tell us oh, in your I'm own words?
5: A woman. So I'm in here in Naam um, and I live around Nam and, and that's my homeland. So
4: um, that's where I'm from, Melbourne. Beautiful. Sue-Anne, thank you so much for coming onto the program and I, I'm hoping we'll have you back soon. I hope you've enjoyed our, well, not enjoyed because it's not really enjoyable talk, but I hope that you found it useful coming onto the show with us.
5: Yeah, look, thank you for having us and any time, happy to give you updates. Wonderful. And the report the report comes out in August. So if you want me back on to chat about our interim report, happy to do that as well.
4: Please. Not Thanks a, problem. a lot. Keep up Thank the good you. work. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was um, a conversation with Commissioner Sue-Anne Hunter um, speaking about the Europe Commission.
2: Are you feeling depressed about the future of our planet? The Eco Socialism 2023 conference could address your worries by
4: providing a platform for radical solutions. Activists from around the world will examine the links between the ecological, economic, and political crises of our
2: time. You'll hear from Japanese Marxist Kohei Saito, author of Capital in the Anthropocene, who argues that capitalism's pursuit of unlimited
5: growth and profits
4: is the major barrier to ecological sustainability. Inspirational speakers from the Asia Pacific region, including India, Pakistan, and the Philippines, will take up the fight for climate justice and against war and fascism. Eco
2: socialism also highlights women's and queer oppression, First Nations sovereignty
4: and so much more, including a session featuring former refugee Baruz Bichani. For more information and bookings, go to our website, ecosocialism.org.au. Ecosocialism 2023, A World Beyond Capitalism, Saturday July 1 to Sunday July 2 at Victorian Trades Hall. A 3CR supporter. And in case you've just tuned in, this is the Do and Time Show, 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial. And I'm Marissa. And you just heard an interview with Commissioner SuAnne Hunter, who has been presiding over the Europe Commission and one of the commissioners there talking about colonisation, deaths in custody and much more. And next up, we'll be speaking with David Menger-Canalis, Canales, is a senior lawyer of the Human Rights Law Centre. And David is going to be speaking with us about a recent media release put out by the centre, looking at anti-protest laws in South Australia. Indeed, there have been a lot of uh, anti-protest laws in other states as well. But he's called the Human Rights Law Centre is calling on the South Australian Legislative Council to block pro- block proposed anti-protest laws that were rushed through the House of Assembly by the government. Hello, David. Welcome to the program.
2: Oh, thank you very much for having
4: me. It's lovely to have you indeed. Now, David, I've done some research on the, on the anti-protest laws. I'm actually not really much of a, a policymaker. I'm more on the street. But I'm wondering if you could just talk to us about a bit of background about the anti-protest laws and what's been going on.
2: Yeah, of course. You and me both. I'm, I'm more of a, a person who takes to the streets myself. But Beautiful. this is why protecting this is really important. So in a matter of, of 20 minutes, the Parliament of South Australia, the, the Lower House, the Assembly, um, passed laws that would effectively criminalise blocking a public space So it's really important to highlight that it's not just anti-protest legislation. This is actually anti-people legislation because it's not targeted at protesters. So it could be anyone who obstructs a public place either recklessly or or deliberately, and that could include, you know, people sleeping rough, it could include someone handing out flyers and leaflets, it could, all the way up to some of the more disruptive protest action we've seen. And uh, if if someone were to do that, if the bill that has been proposed um, passes the parliament, then people could be liable for up to $50,000 in fines or three months in jail just for obstructing a, a public place. And, uh, you know, that, that, is, that is just manifestly excessive. The current penalty is $750. So imagine if your parking fines all of a sudden cost $10,000. You'd be asking a lot more questions.
4: Very much so. I'm very much so. And you're right. I mean, it does actually demonise a lot of marginalised communities like the homeless Aboriginal people, people with disability and mental health as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, was even hearing, um, you know, Commissioner Hunter just before and, and you know, so many of the, the wins that First Nations people um, have have secured, they're not because um, because politicians gave them uh, willingly. It was because First Nations people have protested the original act of resistance was First Nations resistance in 1788 and it continues, you know. So, so these are the people that we know, knowing what we know about the criminal legal system, knowing what we know about policing, it's the most uh, over-targeted people where they're going to feel the brunt of the law, not its protection.
4: So these anti-process laws have already passed, have they?
2: They've passed the lower house. They're going to the upper house uh, on on Tuesday, tomorrow. Um, so it's a great pleasure to come to you to, today from Madeleine in Kana country, uh, where it's, it's it's nice and gloomy and beautiful uh, and very crisp weather over here, but but we're here trying to, to make sure that the Premier really understands that these laws are not just excessive, they're an incredible overreach, and they're going to have a chilling effect on anyone who takes to the streets to protest.
4: So it's really undermining the ability also of everyone in South Australia to exercise their right to peacefully protest, isn't it?
2: Oh, truly! and even just the the right to be informed of what your government is doing by the time that this bill passed the lower house, the Parliament itself hadn't even uploaded a copy of the bill to its website so no one no one could actually know what their what their politicians were voting on until after it happened and in the lower house so if it wasn't because of this incredible act of resistance you know since these laws were passed from civil society from Um, human rights groups, from unions, from activists, from climate defenders, um, if they hadn't armed up such a massive resistance to these laws, um, these laws could have passed in no time. Um, So, you know, protest is is working here and we hope that the government will actually listen to the message of the people.
4: Indeed, and I believe that there was an Extinction Rebellion protest. They suspended themselves from a bridge and closed traffic recently for 90 minutes, and apparently the the South Australian government by the Thursday decided oh, yeah. that they were going to pass these changes to the Summary Offences Act.
2: Is that right? That, that, that's right, yes, that's that's correct. And also not to mention, you know, a cynical person would start linking these things um, uh, quite logically, I think, but there was an, actually an oil and gas conference that was happening here in Adelaide um, and where you had one a government minister tell the the you know those assembled, that the state was at their disposal. The day after, or, or, or definitely no longer than the, the day after that, um, these laws were introduced to punish um, to punish anyone, so anyone, not just protesters, but anyone who is obstructing a public place. But there's no uh, denying that this these laws were actually targeting um, XR and groups like Exile, Extinction Rebellion.
4: It's actually appalling and like I said at the beginning in the intro, it's not just SA, is it? It's also Victoria, it's also in other states is happening as well.
2: Oh, well and truly. You know, in Victoria, we had some pretty um, uh, some pretty terrible legislation that has just come into effect last week, I think. Uh, but it was re- it was in regards to uh, protests in in designated logging areas, and you know, it, that the resistance of the Victorian community, particularly climate defenders, country defenders, water defenders, to to logging in old growth forests in Victoria, has been. An, has been enormous and over a long period of time and to, to punish that kind of behaviour, um, there was some some of the, the penalties that someone could receive in Victoria is a twenty one thousand dollar fine or one year in jail. But also just wanna to highlight to your listeners as well that just recently the government has announced that logging in old growth forests is going to cease. Very soon, so protest works. That's why um, I think uh, we're seeing it criminalised all over the place.
4: Absolutely, and I believe that you're speaking at an online event on the 14th of June, David.
2: Yeah, that's correct. With our with our great comrades at um, at the Melbourne Activist um, Legal Service, uh, you know, who've been doing a really great job at. at really getting in the way of, of a lot of these sorts of laws, but also in helping people protect, you know, sort of make sure that they have the right legal representation and they're connected with lawyers once they're caught up by them. But really looking forward to kind of fleshing these issues out a little bit further.
4: Yeah, actually that online event is between five, from 5:30 to 7:30 p.m. and it's a panel discussion here from activists, legal experts and grassroots community human rights organizations and learn how anti-protest laws and police intimidation tactics are being used. I'm just trying to see who you can um contact for that. If you go on to
2: – I mean, I'm very happy to. i repost it again on Twitter. Uh, yeah, my please. My Twitter handle is at David H R L C, all one word, and I will post that up as soon as I get it off the phone. So, at, thank the, you at very David much, David H R L C.
4: No, that would be good. Um, yeah, I mean, three. I'm not sure if you know much about three CR, but three CR is is has been operating since about 1976, and it's a oh. it's quite a radical station, and we have a lot of um, we a lot of there's a lot of criminalizing dissent that we we look at here in our media and we've got our radiothon coming up and in fact our prison show um, the do and time show we have to raise eight hundred and fifty dollars so we do a lot of media here that's really unique david it's so lovely to have you on the show are there any other comments um that you wanted to make
2: yeah, of course. And on that point I think um I think it's just really important to make sure that we support the media that is really doing a lot of the heavy lifting and getting the word out about these laws, like three C R and others. So I really hope that um folks listening would be able to kind of contribute but it's really important that we all do what we can whether it's contributing to the media that we consume or you know actually taking to the streets to protect our right to protest because we owe many of our human rights to protest more than politicians
4: i just hope that it gets better not worse
2: here here and that's why you know we'll keep on resisting comrades and and that's what we'll do
4: David, thanks so much for your contribution to our show. It was lovely to have you.
2: It's an absolute pleasure. Anytime. Thank you.
4: Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. And that was David from the Human Rights Law Centre, and he's a senior lawyer speaking about the anti-protest laws that, uh, that they're trying to rush through Parliament in SA. 3CR's annual Radiathon fundraiser launches in June. We need your financial support to be independent, community-controlled and focused on people rather than profits. Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical, community-owned media during our Radiothon. We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep 3CR going for another year. Fierce, independent community media is vital and we need your support to keep radical voices and issues
5: on the airwaves. The 3CR Radiothon kicks off in June. To donate,
0: go to 3cr.org.au. Call the station on 039419 8377.
5: Or drop in at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during business hours. 3CR. Stay tuned. Stay radical.
4: And you're back with the Do in Time show. Indeed, stay tuned and stay radical. And please start donating for our radiothon. The Do in Time show is the radiothon show is on the 12th of June. And donate, please donate to Do in Time show and all shows at 3CR. Next up, we're going to be speaking with David Glantz from the Refugee Action Collective, and he's been a guest on our show over the years. And we're going to be speaking with him about uh, an event coming up tonight about children and refugees, but we're also wanting to talk to him about updates and news about refugees and asylum seekers. Hello, David. Welcome to the program.
3: Hi. Pleased to be with you again.
4: Lovely to have you. Now, David, tell us what's been going on with refugees and asylum seekers and in particular about the event tonight. What are some some things that stand out for you?
3: Well, I think the, the main thing that's been happening over the last year or so is that People have hoped that the Labour government would bring about a fundamental change, and they have announced permanent visas for 19,000 refugees on temporary visas, and that's very welcome. Although it is such a slow process that some of those people, I think, at this rate, will not get their permanent visas uh, by maybe not till t- towards the end of next year. But that still leaves. Huge numbers, thousands upon thousands of refugees in our communities and offshore, really with nowhere to go, no hope, no direction and no prospect of support um, from the Australian government, let alone permanent safety. So that's why the refugee campaign has definitely not gone away. And tonight we're going to be focusing at our forum in Carlton on a specific part of that problem. And that's the problem... Of the experience of children being locked up or detained or held, allowed to live in our communities, but without any hope, without any permanency, without a guaranteed future. And the children, everything the Australian, successive Australian governments have done, have been appalling. But when it's done to a children, it really takes it to another level. And listeners may remember that. 10 or so years ago, when many refugees were sent to Manus Island in Papua New Guinea and to Nauru, that children with their parents, but sometimes children by themselves, were sent to Nauru and kept in appalling circumstances. And we were faced with the situation where children were developing something which the experts called resignation syndrome. They had so little hope life could give them anything, and that life could get better, that they simply withdrew from life. They ceased to interact with people. Profound mental health damage, all down to the actions of Australian governments. And we campaigned. Uh, we campaigned, uh, not just the Refugee Action Collective, of course, but the whole movement across the years 2018, 2019, to get those children and their parents off Nauru, That was successful. That was one of our big successes. But it still left children and their parents in a state of suspended animation. So you have story after story of children who came to this country with their parents who were allowed to go to school but are not allowed to go to university. And we're talking about children now who have grown up entirely within the Australian immigration, punitive racist, anti-refugee system. And they, they may have started out as small children, but now they're knocking on the door of adulthood. They want to contribute. They've, they've lived here in some cases for five, six, seven years. They've learnt English if they didn't know it before. They've sometimes done extremely well at school and in other parts of, you know, sport and other parts of life. And now they're blocked. They're blocked from permanency. They're blocked from higher education. They're blocked from access to Centrelink or to NDIS or all sorts of things which citizens are entitled to. So we're holding this forum tonight to say, what is going on with this cruelty? Why is it happening? And how can we campaign to end it? And we have some really good speakers. Um, Dr Jordana Silverstein, or Georgie Silverstein, as she's often known, is a senior researcher at the University of Melbourne. And she's just had a book published called Cruel Care, A History of Children at Our Borders. So she's really done a deep dive into the way Australia deals with children and child refugees. And she'll be bringing a lot of that story to us this evening. But importantly, we'll be hearing from children, um, sometimes now they're young adults, but people who were drawn into Australia's system as children And have suffered as a result. So we're going to be hearing from Hussein al-Sadani, who arrived in Australia at the age of 15, and his sister, Rokia, who was seven when she arrived in Australia. And so these two, as children, were held in detention in Darwin, on Christmas Island, um, up in Broadmeadows in the Mitre Detention Centre. And now they're living on community bridging visas. So... No certainty, no access to Centrelink, no ability to go to university, um, difficult to get jobs because of their visa status. And we'll, they will be, we'll be joined by another uh, young woman who's grown up as a, uh, uh, as a, as a child in the, in the refugee system. So they'll be telling us firsthand what it means to be a child victim of Australia's uh, official refugee child abuse policies. Uh, and so obviously we're hoping that we'll hear from these people and people will come away from this meeting more fired up ever than before to get involved in the refugee campaign. And I'd encourage people to come to the meeting. If it's not too far away from you now, it's at the Kathleen Syme Library in uh, Faraday Street in Carlton, very close to Melbourne Uni, at 6.30 tonight. So if you can make it to Carlton for 6.30, please do. But otherwise, you can join us online on Zoom. Just go to Facebook, search for Refugee Action Collective Victoria, find the event, and the Zoom link will be there in the event.
4: Fantastic. I mean, at first I wasn't sure whether it was useful to do the interview, but I think it is useful because of the fact that people can go online and sometimes people may live quite close to the city as well.
3: Yeah, for sure, and you're welcome in person. It's always nice to have people in the room, Um, but you're welcome online because we have supporters not just in uh, the outer suburbs of Melbourne but also outside of Melbourne. So we we always try and make our meetings both um, accessible in person and on Zoom. So people are welcome either way. And I think the speakers will really um, expand people's knowledge I suspect we're going to hear some shocking stories. Remember, this, these are governments, and we're talking about successive governments, Liberal and Labour, uh, who have locked up children. And then they've lied about it. The last Liberal government said there are no children in detention while they had the Bill Wheeler family children locked up. So a lot of people remember uh, and still have fond, fond thoughts about those two little girls in the Biloela family, uh, and we managed as a movement to win them and their parents freedom and permanency. But there are so many others amongst those on bridging visas uh, who are suffering. And of course, there are plenty of adults. We're not trying to say it's just down to the children, but tonight, the particular focus is on the situation and the experience of children, Um, not least because... Geordie uh, Silverstein has written a book about that and it's always good when someone goes away and does the hard work for the rest of us on getting the facts and the the, the government policy and the history together so that the rest of us can learn from them.
4: And what is um, the position of the Refugee Action Collective and indeed your view about refugees and asylum seekers, they haven't been really been treated well by political parties as a whole, have they?
3: Uh, no, they've not. I mean, the Liberals t- treated them as a political football. They ramped up racism. Um, Howard, Morrison, uh, Dutton, they all did it. And we can see that with Dutton today around the voice and also around the question of migration. Dutton has nothing to offer except racism. And so at this point... He's focusing his racism against the um, Indigenous voice to Parliament and and to migrants, because supposedly it's their fault if house prices are high. But he's quite capable of shifting gear once again and having a go at refugees. He did that as uh, Immigration Minister. He's done it as believer leader of the opposition. So the Liberals are, and the National Party are beneath contempt. The Labor Party promised some change, and they have... They are enacting the change they promised. It's one very specific promise to do with nineteen thousand people on temporary protection visas and safe haven what's called safe haven enterprise visas. It took a bloody long time for them to actually fulfil that promise. And now we're told it's something like and there are nineteen thousand people who've been told they will get a permanent visa. We're told that it's something like ninety. Nine zero people a week are actually getting that visa. So you divide 90 into 19,000, uh, and it's a long, long time before some of these people come off the queue. And that leaves all the people who came from Manus and Nauru, the Medivac refugees, the people who were brought here um, uh, from Nauru and, and are still being brought here from Nauru. There are still people being transported from Nauru to Australia. And that's a a Step forward, at least they can walk down the street and go to the park and kick a football around, or you know, they're not behind fences or whatever. But exactly. they've got no certainty, so there's oh, the numbers vary, but at least 12,000 people who are still completely marooned. The Greens have spoken up, and good for them, but obviously it's Labour that really um, has the ability and the responsibility to act. And then there are still people, as I say, on Nauru, there are people. On Papua New Guinea, and the the last coalition government said, "Okay, they're not our responsibility anymore." But that's that's nonsense. They're there because of the Australian government. Their their sustenance, such as it is, is funded by the Australian government. Those people should also be brought to Australia and given permanent, put the right permanent residency, safety and security, and then. Often forgotten, there are 14,000 refugees stranded in Indonesia. And the reason they're stranded is they can't go back to their countries, which are often war-torn, countries like Sudan, Myanmar, if they're Rohingya, uh, Iran, Iraq, and, and so on. But they can't come to Australia because the Liberal government basically put a ban on them coming. And Labor said, yeah, we'll look at the possibilities, blah, 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 blah. And nothing has happened. And it's a year on now. And Albanese stood up on election night and said, No one left behind. Well, I'm calling BS on you, Albanese, because there are people left behind. They're left behind offshore and they're left behind in our communities. Sometimes they're our neighbors, sometimes they're our workmates, and they're living in this precarious hell.
4: It is indeed. And and finally, David, and this is connected, can you comment on the anti-immigration rally that happened recently by the Nazis,
3: well, I think the the Nazis are grabbing onto whatever they can. And let's put them in perspective. I know there's keyboard warriors out there who can, you know, send out disgusting messages and troll people. But when it came down to it, the National Socialist Network, who are the group who mobilised supposedly around migration um, outside Parliament, had 30 people there. They've had 30 people at their events for several years. You know, they're still a tiny force, but that's an argument to squish them now before they get any bigger. But they came out and said, stop immigration because you've got to put white people first. Well, let's remember something really basic. There was a housing crisis during the pandemic when the population was getting smaller, not bigger. The the problem is not the number of people in the country... It's the way the tax system is set up to encourage people to speculate in property, sometimes properties which they leave empty because it's more valuable to them to do that. The way that Airbnb has run through regional and holiday areas and taken rental properties off the market. Uh, There's all sorts of factors which have nothing to do with migration. Oh, and let's forget, let's not forget governments who have completely abdicated responsibility for building public housing. That's another major reason why there's a housing problem. So the Nazis picked up on what is a genuine problem for people, lack of housing, high house prices and high rentals, and tried to turn it in a racist direction. But, you know, he wasn't there at the rally, but who I really blame for this is Peter Dutton, because he's the one who stands up in Parliament in the bully pulpit and beats up on, on migrants and blames them for problems that his own government, his former government, actually helped contribute to. And Peter Dutton comes out, we're seeing it around the voice as well, and it's racism, racism, racism. Bash Indigenous people, bash migrants in the same way that he's often bashed refugees. And the Nazis just pick up on that and they try and capitalise capitalize on that. So by all means... Next time the Nazis show their head, we should be out there in our hundreds and our thousands with our union banners. We want our comrades from the Labour Party and the Greens and right across the progressive movements to be there to say no to the Nazis. But it's really important that we actually uh, attack and discredit and bring down the racism of Dutton because Dutton has the ears of millions of people and he he fertilises the ground that the Nazis take advantage of. I don't know if we're running out of time, but I did no, no, want to go. just plug two more things yes, that the please. Refugee Action Collective is doing with a bit more notice than tonight, although yep, yep. it's never too late to come to our forum tonight. On June the 24th, Saturday, June the 24th, we're running a gig, Rock for Refugee Rights, with a combination of refugee and non-refugee performers and bands. It's at the Howler Bar in Brunswick. Um, just off Sydney Road in Brunswick, I think it's it's a well-known venue. A lot of people go there. It's um, it's a, it's a great venue, and they're working with us in Rack and with the bands uh, to put on a really great night's entertainment. It will be a chance to have fun. It'll be a chance to see refugee bands and non-refugee bands, hear a couple of brief speeches, get some refugee merch. Um, again, if that sounds like a good idea for a Saturday night and a good idea for a progressive Saturday night. Jump onto Facebook, Refugee Action Collective Victoria, look at our events. Actually, the early bird offer on tickets ends at the end of this week, so get in now, get your tickets. The tickets are very reasonably priced and they include two free drinks. So, I mean, I don't know how we could do much more to get you out (laughs) there um, dancing on a Saturday night. Uh, And the other thing, which is a bit of a change of pace, on July the 22nd, so it's a way down the track, but there is details again on Facebook. We're holding a, a protest, a rally in the city outside the State Library, two o'clock on the 22nd of July, not June, but July. Ten years too bloody long. And actually, there will be refugee organisations all around the country holding protests because that is pretty much on the dot, I think three days later. It's the anniversary, the 10th anniversary of Kevin Rudd, to his shame, saying that no refugee who comes to Australia by boat will ever be settled here. And that's because of that decision. That's when refugees got sent to Manus Island. That's when they got sent to Nauru. Children as well, in the case of Nauru. Some of those people still on Nauru, still in Papua New Guinea, but others brought here but living in limbo on often on visas that ex- expire every six months that don't allow them any rights where they have to reclaim a Medicare card every six months. They live in this constant nightmare and that com- brings brings us back to the children because the children were allowed to go to school but they're not allowed to go to university and they're not allowed to do um, education and training. So all of those things come together. The forum tonight is about the children. The gig is about... Celebrating and and being part of the refugee movement in fun, but on the twenty second of July, we're out on the streets and we're deadly serious, and we're demanding permanent visas for all. Doesn't matter which of those categories I've mentioned. Uh, over the last fifteen twenty minutes, we've been talking. We want them all brought here. We want them all given permanency and a pathway to citizenship. If that's what they if that's what they choose. All these people are victims of Australian government systemic racism. And Albanese is out there campaigning for The Voice because he said it's the right thing to do. Well, how about campaigning and acting on behalf of the victims of Australian government racism? Because that's the right thing to do as well. We want to see all those people brought here, brought to safety, given permanency, given security, allowed to rebuild their lives, and surely none none less and the children.
4: David, thank you so much for for a very, very concise explanation and analysis of what's happening with refugees and asylum seekers and also for publicising the events and keep up the good work.
3: Thank you very much for having me on again and I encourage everybody to come tonight or come to the other events. Check us out on Facebook. Um, our, Our doors are always welcome. We welcome new people as listeners but also new people as activists all
4: the time. Lovely. Take care of yourself, David. We'll talk very soon.
3: Okay. Thanks then. Thanks so much.
4: Bye-bye. And do try to rock up to some of these events that we just talked about. It's approximately 4.50 and we're nearing the end of our show, but I wanted to just put a song on before we we go. And it's called... um, Little Things, Big Things Grow by Paul Kelly, and then I will say goodbye after that.
0: Gather round people, I'll tell you a story, an eight-year-long story of power and pride. British Lord Vesney, Vincent Lignaris, Opposite men On opposite sides
6: Bestie was fat Money and muscle Beef was his business Broad was his door Vincent was lean Spoke very little He had no bang balance Our dirt was his floor From Little things, big things Grow from things, big things
0: grow Guringi were working for nothing but rations But once they had gathered the wealth of the land Daily the pressure got tighter and tighter Guringi the decided they must make a stand
6: Up their swags, started off walking at Waddy Creek. They sat themselves down. Now it don't sound like much, but it sure got tongues talking back at the homestead, then in the town. From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow.
0: Pesty man said, I'll double your wages, seven quid a week you'll have in your hand. Vincent said, Uh uh-uh. uh, we're not talking about wages, we're staying right here
6: till we get our land. Pesty man road Pesty man thundered, you don't stand a chance of a cinder in snow. Vincent said, If we fall, others are rising. From little things, big things grow From little things, big things
0: grow Vincent Lignari, he boarded an aeroplane Landed in Sydney, big city of lights And daily he went round softly speaking his story to
6: all kinds of men from all walks of life. Vincent sat down with them big politicians. This affair they told him, it's a matter of state. Let us sort it out while your people are hungry. Vincent said, No thanks, we know how to wait. From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow From little things, big things grow You can sing to you, Mob, if you're in it This is all about reconciliation, so get at it, we want to hear you Vincent Lignari returned in an airplane
0: Back to his country, once more to sit down and he told his people, let the stars keep on turning. We got friends in the south, in
6: the cities and towns. Eight years went by, eight long years of waiting, till one day a tall stranger appeared in the land. And he came with lawyers, came with great ceremony, Through Vincent's fingers on that handful of sand. Go!
0: But this is a story, something so much more.
6: How power and privilege cannot move a people who know where they stand when they stand in their own.
4: And I just had to play that song in full. It's still so relevant. It's – we've got about four – it's – wow, I've got to be out of here. Um, Goodbye from Marissa. Stay tuned for the Doing Time show every Monday from four to five. And please donate to the 3CR Radiothon. Bye. Take care of each other. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast – produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Black fella, white fella, it doesn't matter what you
1: colour, as long as you are a true fella, as long as you are a real fella.